Welcome back, Red Spotters. No, I am not Kyle Lara, and thank God. I'm Alexis Soto, and I am hosting today's <laughs> To the Table, as I'm going to call it. And I am joined by Peter Martinez, and uh, as has been mentioned before, this is the program in which each of us recommends a movie that we hadn't seen before to the other that we come to the table, even though there's no table here. But, you know, semantics. They, this, this is a podcast. They didn't know that. Well... You ruined the entire show. I mean, I, I think it's always better to be straightforward and transparent with our viewers. Don't you think so? What are you talking about? <laughs> you voted for Hillary. I did. Probably so, and I'd do it again. <laughs> you voted for Hillary, too. Lies. Fake news? Fake news. Fake news. Um... <laughs> Um, okay. So, you recommended... I recommended to you mm -hmm. Snowpiercer. Because that is a movie that you own and love. Yes. And, and you recommended to me mm -hmm. The Place Beyond the Pines. Right. Because I had recently seen it, yes. and I would figure it'd be an interesting discussion to talk about. Not necessarily that I love the movie, but just to get that out of the way. I, I, I When I saw Place Beyond the Pines, I saw something that... Um, was different. It was more. It's definitely an indie style film, and I had some unresolved feelings about it that I'm sure we could get through if you had seen it. And I needed a movie to come up with that you hadn't <laughs> seen before. Uh, so I give you that. So we'll begin with the Place Beyond the Pines. This is a film that came out way back in 2012. It was. Uh, was it 2012? It was 2012. Oh, okay. Uh, and it got a bunch of uh, really rave reviews from a bunch of music movies, movie festivals. I know uh, uh, Chris Tuckman was a big supporter of this movie when this came out. Uh, and it has a robust cast. It has uh, really Ryan, cast. Yeah, Ryan Gosling, Bradley Cooper, Rose Byrne, uh, Ava Mendez, Dane DeHaan. Did you say Bradley Cooper? Yeah. Okay. Dane DeHaan, Mahershala Ali yes. is also in this. Uh, Did you say Mads Mikkelsen? Not Mads Mikkelsen, Ben Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelsohn. <laughs> Same thing. Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, and... Uh, Think, oh, what's yeah. her name? Is it Eva Mendez? Eva Mendez, yeah. Yes. Okay. There we go. Is that everyone? I th mostly. We'll say There's that's somebody everyone. else that I don't know his name. He played the son of Bradley Cooper. Oh yeah. He was also in uh, in Brooklyn. He played oh, uh, was the, he? the the boyfriend to Sorshi Ronan. Oh. Okay. The Italian. Okay. That's why I've heard that voice before. So I'm like. I don't know why he had that accent, but we'll get to that when we get <laughs> yeah, there, in that. this movie in particular. Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, this is available on Netflix for those who want to see it. Uh, and I was uh, curious about this mainly because of the cast. And I think uh, Ryan Gosling in particular is what sold me because he picks a lot of really interesting projects. Mm -hmm. He's one of those actors that kind of has gone beyond what people would perceive of him to be. And I think... It, and, and, he, and He always tries to pick good good films. I think he's good in any movie he is. Mm -hmm. He always does a variety of different things. And I think he was good here as far as... I think this movie, for me, what worked the best was the performances. Well, um, oh, let's give an overview of the, the story. Okay, what do you, you think? go ahead. Um, though, it, it basically... It's kind of like I a three-part thing. Yes, yeah, sort yeah. of like a three-part thing. It starts with Ryan Gosling, and it ends with his son... And it's it's this generational story about the mistakes and sort of the way that our decisions influence 
influence us into the future and even beyond that and becomes generational. Um, and you, you, you sort of gave your reason for why you recommended it to me. I'll just give, give my overall feelings of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I liked it. I, I did. I, I genuinely did. I, I did have some issues with it, but overall, honestly, uh, I did enjoy it. And it, it, the great thing is it just, I thought it was going to be a slow film. And when I watched it, it was really late at night, so I'm like, uh, yeah. I'm probably going to fall asleep. But it's interesting though. because it's generational. It it really has to pick up the pace. Yeah, yeah. And it, it just starts off like right away. It's like he he meets uh, Eva Mendes' character, and it's like, oh hey, let's go back to my place. By the way, you got a son. Da, 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 and it just goes. And that I think that's both a positive and a negative. But in the very beginning, I didn't know that that was the story structure. So I had like, no idea. Yeah. I was like, it really kind of. Uh, it, it took a turn. I was like, okay, when, uh, spoiler alert. Yeah. Oh, uh, this, can we? this whole show is going to be spoilers. Yeah, yeah, spoiler alert. When Ryan Gosling's character dies, mm-hmm. this all of a sudden becomes Bradley Cooper's movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? what's happening here? <laughs> I mean, great. Yeah. He's great. I like that. But I'm like, what's... I, I didn't see it coming. I assumed it was going to be the entire film he was going to be in that thing. But then it turns out that every single uh, act in this movie, it's its own kind of self-contained part of the story. But like you said, it's very generational because ultimately where it goes is the first act is Ryan Gosling uh, trying to work with... Let's let's uh, go through this act by act very mm-hmm. quickly. So the very first act, you have Ryan Gosling, who is a carnival guy, motorcycle person, mm-hmm. who comes back to this town where Ava Mendes, he used to date her or something. And then well, it, it was like a one-night stand. Pretty turns much. Out, had a kid. Yeah. And he's basically fighting to try to find his way right. to his kid's life. But the thing is that she is already living with somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's Mahershala Ali. Who, uh, she's living with him and supporting her and everything. Yeah, she's kind of moved on with him, and it's like, why is she going to leave him? Of this guy supporting her, and he, he and Ryan Gosling is not exactly making the best decisions into in introducing himself into their lives. Yeah. And in you fact, it's tell. more of an intrusion. Yes, but that's his son, and yeah. and you know he's and right right off the bat, you do feel for him. You yeah. can tell this is a guy who never made the life the best life decisions. But he does he he does come off as a good guy and that he he wants to do the right thing. He's you know, I never grew up with the dad. He wants to be with his son. But he wants to be with his son and he's like, I wanna take care of you, I wanna take not I wanna take care of his son, but also Eva Mendez. So he's very much he he wants to take away Marshala Mar- Ali's, you know, right. his place that he's kinda of taken over. But again, it's like uh, he he goes about the wrong way. He does it the wrong Completely. way. Completely. Uh, first of all, he introduces himself to Ben Mendelsohn's character. They kind of live in the same area. They mm-hmm. work together fixing motorcycle parts. And because uh, Ryan Gosling's character is a unique, uh, he's a famous motorcycle mm-hmm. uh, rider, that it, it kind of goes all hell or high water a little bit. Where he, A little bit, a li- yeah. A little bit of the movie, it's kind of like, um, it's a routine of him robbing banks and that's how he gets all the money to support uh, his son he, he ends up dropping and there's this nice little moment where it's just the three of them Ryan Gosling Ava Mendes and their son mm-hmm. and they're getting the, their picture taken like when they're giving the, the baby the ice, ice cream. cream and she's just crying because I, she can't believe it's actually happened that was a really really good moment right there uh, and I think you kind of tell she'd rather be with him yeah. than with Mashal Ali but the fact is she has a stable life with him 
and I and you could tell she ain't rolling in the bucks either and she's like why am I gonna give up you know this this steady life this house especially because I I not only do I have to take care of my kid but my mom he's too. not reliable and enough. he's not yeah he's not really, he was a carny that just and sort of shady, drove into yeah. town pretty shady which you yeah. know especially the way what happens right after that right. you could tell he was. So, like you said, he he starts to try and rob banks to to. to but that's to get not money. what does him in initially. It's the mm-hmm. fact that he he beat up Marshala Ali yeah. in his own fucking house, and I'm like, what's going through your mind to to, to think that's going to end up well for you? These things he just, he just wants to be with this kid, and, and but to me, it was for the character. It was a believable reaction. Yeah, and a in a misreaction, I guess yeah. the way he he did that. And the way he tried to go on a heist by himself turned out terribly wrong, and he ended no, up... No, that went really, really wrong. He ended up dying yeah. because of it. Being shot by... Um, shot and then also... Killed. Looking, fell out the window. Yeah. By, um... What's his name? Bradley, Bradley Cooper. Cooper. And that's how we, we, we get introduced uh, to the next... Uh, act in this movie where Bradley Cooper is a police officer a newly uh, police recruit and when he shoots Ryan Gosling uh, Ryan Gosling shoots him back so he's also injured I think in the leg or something and he's out for quite some time um, and what's interesting is that entire uh, section of the movie was really kind of an introspective into how things would work uh, with because uh, he was being investigated yeah. immediately thereafter to see did you it do anything? It became almost like a each each um, section of the film becomes sort of its own thing. Yeah, that yeah. became a little bit of a a cop drama. Yeah, in the middle, especially with Ray Liotta. Yeah, exactly. Well, of course, it's Ray Liotta. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, is like uh, it turns out that Bradley Cooper comes across these corrupt cops, mm-hmm. and in the middle of that, they barge into Ava Mendez's home. Because they know that Ryan Gosling probably left money. But they're not there officially. They're there on their own time. On their own time. To just take the money for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, not to turn it in for evidence to incriminate her, but to use that money to spend it on themselves. And they want to, they're pretty much recruiting Bradley Cooper to be in their fold, which was a big mistake. Yeah. Huge, huge mistake. And then he tried, first of all, that scene where Radio does like, follow me. He yeah, follows him all the way to the woods, and I'm like, and I, because especially how the first act went, it's like he could die right here mm-hmm. in the film. Yeah, there was that sense, and luckily he was smart enough to just say hell no, back it up, and drive the hell out of there. Um, not many movie characters are smart enough to do that when they're put in those scenarios. No, so I give like, the film. Why did he for that. follow him all the way though? I would have turned away immediately, just like fuck it. I'm going to my father, who happens to be a judge, by the yes. way. I would have gone to him immediately. Mm-hmm. But you can see, uh, you can almost see before that even happens that they're trying to stop him from getting to his father. Yeah, like, where are you going? You know. But, but I also like, um, and this this is what I think the story is mostly focused on, his deep, reg- I don't know about regret, but just sadness and guilt guilt about killing uh, Ryan Gosling. And because of the baby, that, the baby that left behind, because he himself has a one-year-old baby, which... And, but also, he shot first. Yeah. And, you know, that, that kind of... 
goes into the whole police investigation thing. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to admit to it, but that's something that really just... Would you admit to that? For it's, career-wise, it's not... It's, it's difficult. Yeah. It, it just puts you in a difficult situation, and you can see it eat him up inside, mm-hmm. and it continues on to Act 3. But you also see in this in this particular act, he he goes from like being very afraid of kind of uh, really being politically savvy about mm-hmm. the whole thing. I think his father kind of, because his father is an elected judge from what I can gather, he pretty much has more or less the skills to be a politician. As we see in Act 3, he's running for the attorney general position. He's at that point a an established politician by the time we get there. Because again, because of the the cops that get put away, he gets promoted mm-hmm. to assistant DA for that deal that he made almost instantly. And you know, and the, and the thing is, because at the beginning when we first see him, he just wants to be a cop. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't have these political ambitions. No, he, and even he doesn't want nothing to do with that at all. His family, even his wife, is pushing him into that corner. Yeah. He's like, I, this is who I am, and because of the circumstances, he sort of realizes that potential and starts going for those political am- ambitions. Mm-hmm. Which then when we cut to, I think it's 15 years later, yeah. at his father's funeral, he's his life has been consumed by these political ambitions. And I think it's sort of become a way to escape his guilt. Well, yeah, because at that point, uh, he he and his wife are no longer together. Yes. And his son is very A estranged. piece of shit. <laughs> well, is it, well, he's a piece of shit to begin with. Yeah. Which I don't know how that happened. They're very... Uh, they're not that close, as you can tell. I think you can infer that, you know... And especially because they have that scene with him in the, in the second act where he's talking to his therapist... And he's like, it doesn't help that there's a baby. Like, like, like he he almost feels guilty for being a father. Yeah, and he wants to push that away away from his life. And so he he puts it he pushes his wife and son away as much as he possibly can, and he just dives into his political career because it, it gives him a sense of purpose, and maybe it just helps him not think about the, yeah. those kind of things. So where did where did the kid get the accent from? <laughs> Is that just I I. That's my or, question. Yeah, I, I, that's. I kind of forgave it. I thought like <laughs> my thing is like maybe he moved away with his mom, and from being where he was, that's where he attained that accent. Mm-hmm. And then he moves back with his dad, of course, in the Act Three, which then so. again goes into that twist, which you saw coming a mile away. Oh yeah, is uh, he meets Dan DeHaan, mm-hmm. same age, also happens to be the son of Ryan Gosling. And so the son of Bradley Cooper becomes best friends with the son of Ryan Gosling. Yes. Which, Dane DeHaan being Ryan Gosling's son, I call BS. <laughs> what? what? They look nothing alike. They have blonde hair. It works. <laughs> they have blonde hair. It works. Uh, come on. They don't need to really... Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. It, it's, it's very... It's nothing. It was just offhand comment. No, but that that's where you really dive into, I feel, the weakest portion of the film. Yeah. Because then it almost becomes like a high school drama. Not a high school, yeah. but like a coming of age Well, because of drama. we focus on these two uh, teenagers in high school. And with that, like, you have a different kind of set of complications. Mm-hmm. My main issue with it was the almost abrupt character or identity change in Dane DeHaan mm-hmm. to where... He, I mean, he doesn't seem anything special. He's like a pretty much a stoner in high school. But all of all of a sudden, he up and decides to become a murderer, uh, 
or a gunman or like what like yeah. all of a sudden he feels this um, of course with every every child out there that wants to know more about their parents who they never met of course they want to go down that road but it just seems like the more he found out about his father the more he became like him um, maybe it was always there I don't know what it was but it, I mean, it felt that the change was way too soon for me after I can kind of buy it because after seeing that um, this guy who's kind of a piece of shit to you that just uses you pretends to be your friend you know his dad was the one that killed your dad and then he just beats the shit out of you in like in, in front of everyone at this party um, emotions are high he's not a smart kid to begin with I think you could see it being pushed at least to that edge he did of course he doesn't go through with it and, and we'll get to that but I can sort of buy it but then it also comes to some of my negatives with the story structure is that it just feels like this could have been like a four hour each one of these sections could have been an entire movie on its own yeah, yeah. And, it, and you can really see that mm -hmm. sometimes I think it works perfectly the way especially from the first uh, first third to into the second part right. I think it, it works really well um, but there are sections of the story where it just feels rushed yeah because of the story structure it's ambition kind of ma makes it um, injures it a bit I feel and I think it's most evident in the third in the third part mm -hmm. especially because and, and to wrap up what happens in the third part they're at a party he realizes his dad killed his dad his friend killed his yeah. dad he brings a gun the next day because he got the shit beat out of him by his friend um, and then he confronts his friend Did, does he shoot I can't remember he shot him right or he did something to him he knocked him out he knocked him out but he it takes, looked like he shot him. Yeah. I, I thought he did kill him. It just turns out he knocked him out unconscious. He and took, then kidnapped his dad. Took, took his dad, which is Bradley Cooper, to the middle of the woods. And he's he he's wants to kill him, but Bradley Cooper like breaks down. And he's like, I'm sorry. Which, you know, he's been holding that in the, this That's the thing, time. though. It's like with Bradley Cooper, it's like... I know how the movie is kind of presenting that the main protagonist is Ryan Gosling and Dan DeHaan. But I kind of felt more sympathetic for Bradley Cooper at the end of the day. Than I thought I Bradley Cooper had a really good story going in that mm -hmm. second part, and I kind of didn't like where it ended. It, it didn't really... It wasn't satisfying, I think, to the yeah. point. But like, I still felt more for him than I did for anybody else. I don't really? know what that was. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just Bradley Cooper. But it's like Ryan Gosling always felt a bit... Like I, I can't connect with some somebody like that. that was Who just, makes stupid decisions. And then Dane DeHaan, which makes stupider decisions. Yeah. Um, but again, it goes to this whole thing of like mistakes being passed down generationally. Yeah. And the, the way that goes. Um, I, for me, the negatives come most apparent in the third act because the son character I really felt nothing for him they, they I, don't, I feel like they didn't really attempt to, to do anything Cooper? for him Bradley Cooper's son yeah like especially because at the very end it's like okay he wins his race and his son is there by his side and it felt like that was supposed to be something a moment a moment but because you never really got any real interaction between him and his son mm -hmm. that dug deeper than just like I, I I don't connect with you yeah and this son really he he never gave glimpses of 
a deeper character behind just he's a piece of shit who didn't have his dad around so he's a piece of shit so at the very end when it's just like oh he's by his side and that's supposed to be a moment I feel if you had a full feature film with just that you could have had scenes where that connected and that could have worked the more I'm thinking about it the more this could have been a trilogy really yeah it could have been Although I do, I do love its ambition of just trying to tell this generational story in one film, and that's part of the reason why I recommended it to you because it is ambitious and it yeah. is different. And I think, um, and I think it was directed very well. Yeah, definitely. And the performances. I, one thing we haven't really touched on. I think this director works really well with making having the actors give really believable performances. Even Mendes is the best I've ever seen. Yes, her in yes. And each actor, they feel it doesn't feel like. How do I put this? It really feels like there he works well with actors, mm-hmm. and that he makes them feel realistic. Yeah, and I know that's the actor's job to begin with, but when they're like when they have little ticks when they're talking and stuff like that, I'm like this this feels very believable. Believable conversation is going on, and I think that really works when you're jumping, you know, from generation from character to character, and things have to move along quickly in that way. I think it really helps that. Um, and I do really like the way it ended with Dane DeHaan's character. Yeah, the that way was he fitting. he left home, you know, at fifteen. Yeah, and you know, it the, ends where it began. Yeah, he sends his his the the last thing he sends his mother is a picture of all of them when they were the one time they were a family, and he sort of rides off in the in the motorcycle. And the way it ended, I'm like, I did I did really like this story. I thought it was ambitious. Um, nice palate cleanser, I would say. Different. Yeah, and. It's not that I wish it was broken up into different movies. Maybe if it just went for it and was just like sort of like a three-hour film, just to just just for little scenes here yeah. and there, just to give it a little bit more. Because especially um, from the second act going into the third act, I felt you you could have used more time, especially yeah. with Dane DeHaan's character. Yeah. I mean, we we two jump fifteen years into the future, mm-hmm. like out of nowhere. And certain and certain actors are just sort of there. They don't yeah. get much to do at all. Like um, Rose Mush- Byrne. Rose Byrne, Mashallah Ali. Yeah. I, I think I have to say it different every time I say his name. Mahershala. Ma- Mahershala? It's Mahershala Ali. Mahershala Ali. He's really just there. Yeah. He doesn't... He, he's, he's good. He's, but he's, he's just good, there. But he's yeah. just there. And I think they did try to give him a moment with Dane DeHaan, but I feel like you could have done much more with did him. You, have you seen Moonlight? With this character. Yes. Okay, because I, I was thinking of Moonlight a lot in this, because Moonlight yeah. does that three part structure Mm -hmm. the difference though is it's the focus is singular on one person at different stages of his life and i think that's why it works better and moonlight yeah Mm -hmm. because you're you're staying with that you you you, you're staying with the same character so you you see them evolve and i think it just works better by the way mahershala is amazing in moonlight too yes he was he deserved that did he get an oscar yeah he He got that oscar got it man that's great um Overall, I'm glad you recommended this to me. Yeah. Because scrolling through Netflix, I would see it a lot, and I was just like hesitant. Uh, yeah, me too. I'd probably like it, but I don't know. And that, that's why I, I like this series because it forces us to see to see, things, yeah. to see different things. And and I am glad that I saw it. Yeah. I don't think it's a perfect film. I do, like I said, there is issues, but those issues sort of have to be there because of its ambitious the way the story is told and I'm really glad that it wasn't told in that way so you gotta take the good with the bad um, overall I think it was a good recommendation I yeah really and uh, for those who are listening uh, it's on Netflix if you wanna yeah, go ahead and watch yeah, check it. it out it's an interesting watch uh, and yeah you should, even though we kinda just 
ruined it, but okay, just go ahead and watch hey, it. It doesn't matter. There's a difference between hearing it and seeing the film. There very much is so. Uh, going into our second film, mm-hmm. I recommended to you Snowpiercer because I really felt like this was a film that was up your alley. I think it that, was. Yeah. <laughs> that you would like. It's not typical um, sort of action adventure fare. Oh, not at all. It seems to be on its surface. Um, especially like a Hollywood type film mm-hmm. is from director Bong Joon Ho, who is a Korean, correct? Uh, I think you're like Korean director. Yes, yeah. it's I, a I, Korean director, and it also has uh, two Korean stars in it too. Yes, so I think it was an international film. Yes, um, um, he he directed Okja, and he also directed on, on Netflix, by the way. Yes, and another um, is sort of horror film. Not really. It's more like a creature feature called The Host, which mm. I also really enjoy. I'm pretty sure that was him. Yeah. It seems to me, just based on watching Snowpiercer and hearing the descriptions of these other films he's done, um, that going for fucked up shit is, his, uh, is right up his alley. He likes to combine just everything, mm-hmm. just every sort of like... Um, well, this movie in particular is a combination of different things, I'd yes. say. Um, here's where I would... Okay, so basically... The, Let's start with the story. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, oh, no, you go ahead. I okay. told the story of a sneer, uh, sneer. Snowpiercer <laughs> is uh, a message that I think uh, we're inclined to hear is uh, the thing about global warming and climate change. But I find it so. What basically, happens is uh, some scientists come up with this uh, this this chemical that they plan to disperse into the air, and that's going to solve all their problems. By the way, if anybody ever thought that, go fuck yourselves, because literally you will be the end of us. <laughs> How do you think for one second that dispersing some fucking chemical into the air is going to fix climate change? Oh, it inadvertently sparked an ice age. My bad. Go fuck <laughs> yourselves. This is why we're doomed to extinction. Anyway, this happens. Very lighthearted. <laughs> this happens, but... Uh, Somebody, I think, what, what, what was the name? Waylon or something? The, the, the old guy's name. Yes. The company with the um, W. I want to say Waylon or something. He. I think that's Aliens, though, isn't that? I, yeah. Maybe he or might maybe be, they have the same name. Maybe. Let's I don't just know. say Waylon. <laughs> or Win, Win, Windsor? Win, Wilson? Yeah, Wilson? something like that. Something like that. Anyway. Not Wilson Fisk. I was watching Daredevil right now. It's a great show. <laughs> what happens here is... Um, this man, who is portrayed by Ed Harris in this film, is who runs this company, is preparing for that event because he saw it coming. So he makes this self-sustainable uh, locomotive that is all-encompassing and that it has its own environment, mm-hmm. its own. It's ba- self-sustainable, right? Self-sustainable environment, self-running, and it never stops. It never stops, and it takes uh, an entire year for it to cross the globe, as mm-hmm. we see in this movie. And basically, obviously, as you might have guessed, this is a post-apocalyptic movie, and it takes place 17 years after that event, in which, um, predictably, as things go in post-apocalyptic terms, uh, a uh, cruel and unfair class system is formed from those who live... The last surviving humans. Right, the last... By the way, all humans are dead except the ones that live on this train. But on this train, there is a class system that is formed from those who live in the front of the train and those who live on the back of the train. Mm -hmm. As in the ones who are in the front are pretty much... Think of Hunger Games, basically. Think of it like the first... The the front of the train is like the capital and the back of the train is like District 12. Or hell, even District 13, which was burned to the ground. Mm -hmm. But... And basically the entire film... Just in general aspects is 
um, the the back the, the the people at the very back of the train trying to overtake the class system mm-hmm. and and it happens several times go make it all the way right. to the front to well, I mean, take over the train the movie begins with that already happening mm-hmm. it's in motion there are yes. plans we begin with Chris Evans who is damn uh, Curtis he plays his character's name is Curtis and his best friend is uh, Edgar and he's also you also have their um, John Hurt, Octavia Spencer, and so on and so forth, uh, who live there in that in the back. And when we begin the film, I love how it wastes no time mm-hmm. in trying to convince people to rebel. We're already of the mind that we're going to go ahead and, and rebel, and we're going to go to the front of the train because we're done with this shit. And you see, almost immediately, the conditions are too, are so poor to the point where it's not even worth discussing. But you also they also establish that there have been previous rebellions in the past that have failed. failed. Mm-hmm. And the, the the very beginning of the film, uh, it just it starts with you learning, uh, just spending time with these characters right. at the back because these are the people you're going to follow from mm-hmm. the back of the train all the way to the front, right. and it establishes who they are and what they're trying to do and some of the certain issues that each of them has. It, it, it's very interesting, all of it, because mm-hmm. it creates this kind of world, if you will, where like there have been many people who were all lifers that have been on their tra- this train the entire life that the never seen earth there have been those who were only on earth for a short period of time those have been along there's there's this interesting mix of it but it kind of in a weird sense has its own kind of mythology in a way i think this film has has an example of some of the best world building yes there it is that's the that's the term yeah yeah so it it starts with the, the film, it just starts with them beginning the rebellion. Yeah. As you follow Chris Evans mm-hmm. and all, all the characters you've, you've seen, um, they eventually meet up with the Korean actors, which I don't think either of us know their names, which is a mm. shame because I think they did both really good. They were outstanding. Yes. They um, were outstanding in here. Uh, he's a bomb? Yeah. Or no, he, he's a technician. He understands the lock. So they, mm-hmm. they get him out of this sort of prison they have them in. Which is, it looks almost where they keep cadavers, you yeah. know, um, in morgues, and their daughter, because they're addicted to... Chrono, this drug thing. Mm-hmm. That's Wait, also explosive. Right, and that's a different thread that's cleverly revealed at the very end, which is mm-hmm. very clever, as I said. Uh, so yeah, they recruit uh, uh, these two technicians to open the doorways as mm-hmm. they keep going along. But one of the things that they, they discover that... that um, Curtis discovers is that as far as the back of the train is concerned, those troops don't have any bullets in those guns. Yes. That was the thing. Um, bullets, they believe, have been extinct for a while now. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why they initiate their rebellion. rebellion. Because they're like, they don't have, they don't, we don't, we don't believe that they have any more bullets. They've gone extinct and we're going to go ahead and do this. Mm-hmm. And from there, it's just a fight from beginning to end through each train car. And each train car just is so unique right? and wonderful. Just the world of this train, I found endlessly interesting. Yeah, I want to get to that right now. But it's, just like, it's also worth noting, this movie is just a, a, a nice combination of so many different genres. Like, yes. You have a lot of good action, a lot of like ploring, like drama. You have some interesting comedy there as well. Mm-hmm. And then some really... really kooky, wacky things that happen. And I think one of the best parts about this movie is you, as they're making their way through the locomotive, 
it, it's like discovering it's like with every passing car of the train that they they go through it's a new and fantastical world part of the 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 um Part of what makes this movie so special is experiencing what they're experiencing. It's just like this train is a world unto in itself. Which they've never seen. Yeah. And it's all visually stunning as well. Um, and it's all very creative as well, too. Probably my one of my favorite characters was Tilda Swinton. <laughs> she was amazing in this Yeah. Film. I was she sad was to really lose her great. so quick, though. But that's awesome, yeah. though. Because like you said, this, this film... Unlike we lose a lot of characters. Well, we lose all of them pretty much. You lose yeah. a lot of them. Um, and in this is a real Hunger Games right here, by the way. It's scenarios that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, yeah. Like probably one of the best action, if the best action scene in the film is when they make it to a certain train car, and there's all these guys with masks, and yeah. they got the axes, and they're they're gonna fight them and take them all on because. They, that's when they reach a tunnel mm -hmm. and it's supposed to be completely dark for like 15 minutes yeah. and they're like this is where we're gonna we have night vision goggles and we're gonna just destroy this rebellion right here and now and at the beginning it's brutal they are just slaughtering them yeah. until, in the middle of it it's like happy new year yeah happy new year <laughs> <laughs> and that's where sort of like the, the kookiness right. comes about. There's a, there's a, I, I, I wouldn't call it a, a culture, but close to that on this train that is formed in these 17 years. And you see that when you get to that really psycho yet really fun scene with the children in yes. the classroom, like that. Um, I, where it, it's gone to the point where they they worship the train almost. They worship him in particular. Yes, um, know, he is the god, Windsor or Wilson or whatever the guy, mm -hmm. who created this train, and. You, you, we might be skipping over a lot of things, but go it's, watch the there's film. There's a lot. Go watch yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, when they they eventually reach the end, and before they even get to that, the head man in charge, that exchange between um, the technician who's been opening the doors and Curtis, um, or Chris Evans' character, mm -hmm. where he's basically just says like why this you you have this immense sense of guilt in him and regret throughout, throughout the, entire the entire film you don't get you don't really get a sense as to what that is mm -hmm. until that monologue mm -hmm. uh, i i was blown away when she <sighs> says like i what kills me is i know what baby tastes like like that's because basically and terrible it, it turns out. Should we reveal the twist of it? Yeah, yeah. This is this is all spoilers. It's just like show. it is such an amazing moment when he like unloads off of that because he was one of the first people that uh, became a cannibal mm -hmm. and was eating people to survive. Uh, and he he was telling how he killed this woman and and to, just to get the baby because the baby is what tastes the best apparently, mm -hmm. and it was John Hurt's character at the time that cut off his own harm and gave it to Chris Evans and said, if you're so hungry, eat this. And then sooner... Rather, That's what caused them to band together. Right. They and all started Other people, yeah, cut off their limbs and and that baby was Edgar. Yeah. The kind of de facto little brother to Chris Evans in the beginning of the film. Who, he, who died halfway through the film. Maybe yeah. not even halfway. Who he let die... In order to just catch, um, what's her name? Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton's character. So when it's like, the, the, those are certain twists and turns that you 
never see with these kind of films. And I was like, this is this is awesome. This but is I mean, the, the horror mm-hmm. and the shock of that. You didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. That was great of that and, particular scene. And also the fact that he had attempted to cut off his own arm, but he was never able to. Yeah. He has the scars. And um, the, the other twist... Well, before with, we get to the big mm-hmm. one, there was a side thing with uh, the, the Korean actor... With the entire time he was plotting the Chronote explosion. Were you going to go with that one or the bigger one? Yeah, that's what I was going to go with that Okay, one. go ahead. Go with that one. Where this entire time you think he's just this stupid druggie yeah. who just give me the Chronote, give me the Chronote, give me the Chronote. And he's acting bizarrely the entire time. Mm-hmm. But then... But they, they set it up like in, in certain scenarios. Yeah. Like when he told his daughter, like, hey, look out the window. I want you to see this. Yeah. He had been charting the years by looking at this certain plane and seeing how much um, snow was on top of it. And he saw year by year snow had been um, falling away, which meant that it was getting warmer it and was warmer. Melting. It was melting. So his thing is like, we need to leave this train. We, we You know, it, it's we're at the point where... Um, it's time to leave and we can start a new life on earth again and the entire point of the the grinding, gathering all the chronos was to blow up because it's the flammable door. they yes. established that very that it is it's very flammable mm-hmm. and I thought that was also very clever because like I it's not something you consider until he pointed it out oh wait a minute he, he has a point here maybe he should get the fuck out of this train and you want to talk about the third which, twist? The third twist, which is probably the most fucked up thing. Yeah. Like, go ahead. You, you, you leave that discussion. Um, you finally get to... Um, what's his name? <sighs> I'm going to look it up because I'm tired of guessing. <laughs> do, 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 do. No, you, you get to the actor. What's his name? Ed Harris. Ed Harris. Which Ed Harris did... I thought he, he had an amazing performance playing this guy... Who would essentially become God on this train, and when, uh, literally, he's yes, and you get to that right now. And uh, what you discover is a long time ago, him and uh, what's his name, John Hurt. John Hurt had created a pact in which they they viewed, or at least um, Ed Harris viewed the train as this ecosystem, and that. At, at, when it reached a certain point when there was too many people on the train and he, they felt like they wouldn't be able to sustain it they would stage an uprising him and John Hurt it was all engineered it was all engineered pretty much them trying to, to rid of, simulate natural selection or something yes and it's really interesting because in the beginning when Tilda Swinton says approximately 74% of you will die mm-hmm. that's exactly how many die by the time we get to the end it was all staged and then there's there's that not only that but at the very beginning when John Hurt is Wilfred talking, it's Wilfred Wilfred Wil- that's who he is we're not Wilfred Wilford Wilford okay Wilford um, <laughs> when John Hurt is talking to Chris Evans' character and it's I think it's after they'd won the battle and you could tell John Hurt is like oh shit this wasn't supposed to go down like this but they were talking and you could tell John Hurt is has a lot of regret and he's like when you get to the front. Don't trust anything that he tells don't you. Don't let him talk. Yeah. So, and you could tell he got manipulated a long time ago by um, Wilford. Yeah. And so it's this it's this great scene where he's basically saying, "I want you to take my place 
as the train. It master. was fucking. It was insane because it was also at the same time <clears throat> horrifying. Yes, it was horrifying. All of the stuff that was going on, like what he intended, and then for uh, maybe it was just me, but did you get the impression for a for a couple seconds he was actually considering Chris Evans? Yes. I completely like he just has him like here, you know, just. Um, He's like, you probably forgot what it was like to be alone, don't you? And he just had him stand in front of the engine and just, like, just take it in. And you could tell how conflicted he was. Because in a very dark way, Ed Harris almost has a point. You know, you can't just let... This is a very limited train. Mm -hmm. You can't let population just spin out of control. They, They were only able to survive that long because... Of the terrible things that they were doing. But also... It's completely fucked up, you know? Um, but I love how in the end when he... Also, the, 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 the twist... The, the children. The children. Oh my god, and you wanna... So All what really are Really fucked up. What happened to them there? They were... Well, at the very beginning, um, what's her name? Um, Octavia Spencer. Octavia Spencer had lost, I think it was a son. Timmy. Timmy. Her son. And at the very beginning, from the front, they were coming in and taking these tiny children, and they were measuring them, and you had no idea why. At the very end, you find out why. They were having them put into the train in these little... Slots. Little slots, and because they had started losing parts, and they night and day have them basically playing out as parts of the train. And Ed Harris is like, yeah... It's something we have to do. It's necessary. And but I love how it really completed the arc of Curtis or Chris mm-hmm. Evans' character at the end to save um, Timmy's life. He sacrifices his arm. Yeah. He puts it through the gear to take him out, and he loses it. Finally, you know, being able to sacrifice and do what he needs to do. He chooses the right path. Yes. And in the end. All the while. Um the Kronos explodes. And just destroys the train. Yeah, that, which... <laughs> a lot of people died? Yeah. Mainly everybody? Uh, mainly, probably everyone died. I mean, everyone in the back was already dead at that point. Yeah. I think, what is it? They left 17... It was either 7 or 17 people alive. Yeah. Because he said to commemorate the anniversary of the train. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end, it does end hopeful. You know, it ends yeah. with little uh, Timmy. And what's and her name? I don't Yona. Yona or something. She yes. walks out with him. They're the only survivors. Because him, um, her father and Chris Evans had protected them in the yeah. explosion. That was the only way they were able to survive. Um, but to me, it, it's a hell of a... It's just, to me, even though it's very much small film that took place on this train, it was a very epic story. Yeah, yeah. Just starting from the beginning and reaching the end and the way it combines. What did you make so of that last genres? shot with them looking at the polar bear and looking at uh, the, with the polar bear looking back at them? To me, that signifies, you know, hope, the future. This polar bear is alive. Because before they said they thought all life on Earth was dead. The only thing that was alive, even the fish, the bears, the birds, oh, those everything. Poor fish. They're all frozen and dead. Um, <laughs> oh, well. No, but. That to me that that was a signifier of hope, and this director he he's very much is always very political with his films, and then you haven't seen Okja, but I mean from the trailer you can guess 
Mm. By the way, uh, back to those fish. It. If this had been Finding Dory, they would have lived. Yes. Which we all know how that ended. Or oh yes, <laughs> yes, they would have. <laughs> Just to you know, bring it up to your face and see how you'd react. Very much so. Uh, but so, back to Snowpiercer. Yes. What did, What did you feel about this film? Because I, I like I had said, it, I, I felt like this. This you would enjoy this. It was invigorating. It was inventive. It was ambitious. It was outstanding. It subverts those expectations. It has masterpiece twists. It has engaging characters. Uh, brilliant designs. Amazing visuals. The music was actually really good as well. Yeah. Uh, outstanding performances. And at the end of the day, uh, the more the more I think about it, the more I talk about it, the more I love it. It's a great movie, and I actually feel this should have been uh, in contention for a lot of like uh, below the line uh, Oscar like uh, like awards, like visual effects, editing, sound design, sound mixing, uh, production design. All those things were up this film's alley. And yeah, it is political, but I also loved. The, not the guts, but like the ah, yeah, I don't give a fuck. Look, it's telegraph. This is our future. People, be fucking idiots. Vote for Trump if you want to or not. This is what this is. What Can we're we gonna... do a single video without Trump? Lock her up. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, but that's the point here. Is we can't we can't go on ignoring this any further, and this is what will happen. But it also what what feels so genuine is that everything about this is exactly what humans would do in this kind of situation. Well, I think that that's what makes it scary. Like, when yeah. push comes to shove, these people were starving. Yeah. This, a lot of people would turn to cannibalism. They would, if they had the power, create this class system within this train because they had the power to do it and keep these people, you know, in this poverty-stricken state, mm -hmm. you know, it wouldn't be like, oh, you know, let's all work together. No, you know, it, it, this would happen, but sort of different than the way you feel. I like the fact that I feel the political statements mm -hmm. was more of a backdrop for the characters and no, the no, stories. No, yeah, yeah I agree with her as yeah. well. I just feel like that that's also important, too. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's not the main focus. I'm never like one of those people that says it should be the main event. It was something on yeah. the side. For me, even if I agree with yeah. your political feelings and mm -hmm. statements, the second it becomes the main character right. instead of the actual characters is when I think the movie starts to fail. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think this film ever did that. Yeah, um, I just love it. I just think it's, it's also one more thing. It's also a great showcase for Chris Evans as an actor. Yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. I was reading something that the, the director of this film was having a hard time hiding Curtis's art. Chris Evans muscular physique yeah. <laughs> because really if you're there 17 years how can you be that buff really and that strong because I think this came out the same year as did this came out the year of uh, the Winter Soldier I think it did because this came out like late 2013 early 2014 I remember he was definitely working on some Captain America stuff yeah. around the same time that he was making Snowpiercer and you can definitely tell because he's wearing these huge coats the entire time. Yeah, yeah. Beanies. Right. Like, you never see him shirtless or even right. close to that. He always has these big coats. Um, no. And I'm really sad that this this didn't get like a big theatrical release here. Yeah, or an Oscar push too. I think it would have been a great marketing campaign to push this movie because this is a great movie. I think uh, this... Uh, it's kind of hard. What would you define it as far as a genre? 
uh, just a, calling it a genre film because it has a mixture of these different things? Or it's so hard to define, and that's is. another reason why I like it so yeah. much. Because they just he he has a, a real talent for just throwing just like three or five or six or a hundred genres into a film yeah. and just having it work. Yeah, and to me, that's that's when films when films when you can't define them into a genre. That's when they really become interesting, I think. And this is one of those films. This is a, a Korean film, right? Um, or no? I don't, the director, I think, was Korean. Yeah. Um, but this was an international release. It just didn't get that big of a push here in America. Yeah. I, I think it was more of an international film. Yeah. I don't. I have no idea the background. But most of the... All the actors are, mm-hmm. you know, big-time American actors, really. And English. Before we move on, as always, me being me, I have to put somebody on blast, namely critics who have offended me when it regards to something. <laughs> oh my so, god. So, uh, I saw a lot of reviews about Chris Evans' performance, and they were complimenting uh, this in a way as if they were surprised that this actor had depth and sophistication. Uh-huh. They were almost kind of putting down the other uh, Chris Evans' performance, to which you I mean say, Captain America? go fuck yourselves. <laughs> Okay, I think it is like in in uh, we we just did a freaking Marvel project where I just said like in three films I think Chris Evans, like emotionally and with a lot of depth, brought a great performance and a great fucking character. And I just don't understand. I I don't understand why people feel the need to always downplay comic book movies or comic book uh, characters. And it's like for me, I'm not like. A comic book guy. I never read comic books, mm-hmm. but I see these as movies. Mm-hmm. And I've seen, I know I'm getting off on a tangent here, but it just goes <laughs> off on this whole Chris Evans thing is that you didn't need to see anything else but Captain America. Mm-hmm. He is a great actor, and Snowpiercer only solidifies that for me. And it really gets me excited for what is to come in his future as an actor. Um, I'll defend them a little bit. If they were genuinely surprised that he was able to give a good performance, I think that's bullshit, because I think in the past he has shown he is a very good actor. They were genuinely surprised. But if if your whole thing is like, I think this film is a better avenue to showcase his acting chops, I do think it was. Because it did give him more to do, I think. Especially that whole monologue at the end where he's talking about what he's done to survive. Yeah, definitely. The things he's dealing with. And just his facial expressions and the way he's he's just sort of falling for... Um, what's his name again? Uh, Ed Harris's character. He's falling for his... The, um, the way he's trying to... Give me... Will, did you forget his name again? Too? Wilford, Wilford. Wilford, yeah. I, I keep having to look at my phone what the fuck that name is. I'm sorry. It's... The way he's falling for Wilford's um, advances. Right. You know? So, I mean, overall, I, 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 I own this film. That should mm-hmm. tell you something that I genuinely just really enjoy the hell out of this film. I think it's great. Um, do, are, are there really any negatives? I think you can put little things here and there, but... Nothing where I have major issues with. I can't think of any. And that's usually when you know that you've had a... This is a really good movie. Yeah. When you can't think of anything really negative to say. Mm. Uh, I want more movies like this. Yes! I want so many more movies now like this. Now you know why I'm always being a little bitch about it. Well, you are a little bitch when it comes to that. I mean, if I can yes. be a bitch when it comes to Marvel, you can be a bitch when it comes to this. Because That's I mean, true. I, I admit to that, yes. That, that Here's the reality. It's like... There were so many times when I was watching this and I thought, like, you know, Hollywood, if you're listening, 
that's the kind of movie you should be making. Yes. Like original and creative and inventive and innovative and immersive. And uh, I, this movie's great. Is this movie? Uh, this should be one of the, the decade's top players. Like easily for me is decade. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, what have we learned? Uh, that Chris Evans is a great actor and should be questioned because he's playing a comic Peter's book character because of the Peter's recommendations. <laughs> All right, um, I think that's our show. Is it though? I don't know. Kind of. You have more? No. All right, then it is. <laughs> okay. Well, this has been to the table. Uh, thank you, Peter, for recommending this movie to me. It seems as if your track record for recommending films has been spotless up until this point. I'm glad you also liked uh, The Place Beyond the Pines. I did, I did. It was an enjoyable film. Uh, but at the end of the day, one of the primary reasons we're doing this series mm-hmm. is for us to get more immersed in cinema, but also for you guys, uh, for you guys listening back at home, we encourage you to go and look at these films because if you notice uh, with the four films that we've discussed, which is Snowpiercer, Place Beyond the Pines, Casino Royale, or The Witch, these are more or less obscure films that never get talked about. Well. Casino Royale. <laughs> it's part of a franchise. Yeah. That movie, well, we can go back and forth. At the end of the day, though, these are movies that um, we uh, don't get a chance to talk about on the podcast nearly enough because we get so enthralled with all the latest comic book stuff. But I think this series is a great palate cleanser, if not refresher, for what other avenues of cinema are to be experienced. And we hope that you're enjoying this series as much as we are and that we are going to be cranking out a lot of content in the in the coming future when it comes to that. I know that Kyle is very excited as well as we are mm-hmm. about the different kind of films that we're going to be able to see. Uh, and at the same time, I hope both of these movies that we discussed today go out and see them. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can see Place Beyond the Pines on Netflix. I know that uh, Snowpiercer is available for VOD, iTunes, and of course on Blu-ray if you so choose. I think it used to be on Netflix. Um, it used to a long time ago. Yeah, though. I don't I think don't, it is. Anymore. I haven't seen it in a while. Otherwise, I probably would have seen it by then. Yeah. But, um, yeah, go out and do these things. And also to make sure to keep it uh, here under the spotlight with so many more programs when it comes to our regular podcasts as well as our audio commentaries. We have a a savage, I would say, audio commentary we have up on the channel right now. I, I had to say, I listened to it. I probably should have held back a bit. I didn't realize. Did you listen to the whole thing? I listened to like one fourth of it, and I'm like, I really should have relaxed a bit. The Suicide Squad audio commentary <laughs> is what he was referring to. We yeah. were uh, basically watching the entire movie and commenting to it. And like I like it, it wasn't even like a minute a minute in and you were already like yelling at the movie, and I you think kept I lost my voice. No, you were saying that you were losing your voice. Like you kept yelling throughout the whole thing. I also made this like five minute featurette to preview what it was to kind of like a little bit of a highlights. You can also catch that on Facebook and on YouTube. So yeah, catch Red Spotlight on Facebook, YouTube, Podcast.com, iTunes. Um, and, and listen to that one because that was particularly savage, as I would say. Uh, and also uh, stay tuned for uh, what Peter and I are doing on the BNC channel, mm-hmm. the Marvel Project, 
which we're going to be basically our phase two of our programming where we kind of review the remaining films that we haven't done so as well as the TV shows and we are future ones like Thor 3 right. and uh, Black Panther exactly like basically uh, everything MCU we're there and we're also in uh, in what in early talks to uh, for phase 3 as we it get were. the lawyers involved and right. papers signed and exactly we have, we have to get some people to sign off on this we're thinking about uh, doing X-Men and Spider-Man which is non-MCU Marvel mm-hmm. Uh, for phase three in the, in the not too distant future, which if it wears a cape, we might talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, keep it here at Red Spotlight Entertainment. Uh, thank you, Peter, so much for joining me uh, and for doing this wonderful to the table. That's what we're gonna call it. I am Alexis Soto here for Red Spotlight, and uh, until next time, make sure to catch. Uh, the outro song. I was going to say catch Tori, and, Tori Kelly and Kermit, but that's not the outro for this podcast. So whatever it was, theme music, play, play. now. <laughs>